Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, August 12th. My name, of course, is Javier Reyes, your host of this Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there. Hit me up on there with any any questions you might have, because I feel like there are questions to be asked and answered. I don't know. It could just be a hunch. Uh, I'd do that for sure. I'll try and answer them here on the show, guys. Also, LockdownPodres at gmail.com is the email if you'd like to send a more elaborate, detailed question. That is fine with me. And today's episode, we are talking about last night's really... Wonderful, I, I guess, game uh, in a lot of different ways. And just going to kind of break down some of the biggest things in the game, including one Sir Manny Machado and kind of the pitching performances. And then later on, we're going to talk about a couple of just other observations I had about the game, some weird and goofy ones too, which I wanted to throw in there, and talk a little bit more about Chris Taylor and his potentially dirty slide, maybe, question mark, I don't know. Have some thoughts on that, so we'll get into that for sure. Fun little episode today, guys, so let's start it off. Look, 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 yeah, 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 you heard me say it before, man. This is what's been going on with the Padres. This Manny Machado fellow, all right? We've all been waiting for Machado to do what, folks? Come through, come through, come through. Despite the title of today's episode and that little bite there, I cannot lie to you guys what I said. I was a little bit annoyed with how we started off the game by grounding into another double play, which Mr. Mr. Jeff Snyder of Locked On uh, Dodgers, of course, reminded me that, you know, May Machado tends to ground into quite a lot of those, while Cody Bellinger doesn't. And guess what? Cody Bellinger, funny enough, he was the other star uh, of, of the night that granted into two double plays for the Dodgers. And actually, the next one was, uh, or I think it was it the first or second one. I believe it was the second one where uh, uh, Tatis threw uh, the ball back to first at like 92.3 miles an hour. The dude's got a cannon, man. I, I just don't understand how you cannot like this guy. It's really insane. And I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not really sure what's up with Bellinger. He doesn't ground into a lot of double plays, as Jeff also pointed out for me. And it just doesn't make sense. I mentioned the other day how that hit that he had in the bottom of the eighth. It, I just feel like I've seen him take that type of pitch and make that kind of swing, and that's usually out of the park. So he's struggling right now, but. Hey, whatever, good for us. And then the inning happens. This is the big thing of the game, of course. You could talk about all the other silly stuff, but really, it's all about the inning, right? Which was the top of the third. First, it starts off with a double by Mr. Jake Cronenworth. We are not Cronenworthy! And he ends the game actually going two for four with another hit being a single, which was great. He does make an error in the infield a little bit later on, but I don't want to freak out considering uh, he's looked largely great uh, for them defensively, uh, especially since he's been playing multiple positions from second to first and, you know, all those things. So that that was, you know, it happens, you know what I mean? And it happens and it's okay. I'm not mad at the, the guy. You know, he's been so great for the team. And then, you know, but to talk about the actual errors of this you know, mentioned top of the third inning, there's a terrible throwing error by Ross Stripling. I mean, and it's off of the Hedges bunt, by the way. Of all people for you to not to get out, it's Austin Hedges, you know, after he bunts because he wants to move um, Jay Cronenworth over to third base. But 
he he just it's a routine ball to him and he just completely sails the ball over allowing Cronenworth to, to score which was just absolutely nuts and I was just like okay game is you know game's tied up <laughs> the game is tied up and I was like super lucky on our part let's see if we can capitalize and they kind of do because then Profar reaches on a throwing error by uh, Justin Turner which wasn't as egregious an error as the Ross Stripling one but still that's Justin Turner he usually makes that play throw was a little bit offline Bellinger stretched, stretched out for it uh, as much as he possibly could but couldn't make it um really I was a little bit surprised by the profile bunt there but I guess it made sense two guys struggling offensively for the Padres but then they both laid out buds apparently that's the way for them to get hits and then of course obviously I mean it's it's obvious you guys know what happens next right of course Tatis he comes up he just slashes a single to left field great all right cool bases loaded um Grisham ends up you know uh grinding into a fielder's choice which wasn't great Grisham like I said a little bit of a slump for him right now it's okay I still trust the guy he's still walking a decent amount I still like his eye I feel like you can't throw him anything inside and he like he's really good at seeing the pitches uh that are inside of him one of the more patient hitters in the in their in, our, in the game right now honestly uh so that's really cool but you know didn't get a hit there and then it happens Machado grand salami to deep center on the very first pitch he did it the son of a bitch did it Just just an incredible moment. You know, we've been dogging him. We've been saying, you know, you got to come through in the big moments. And he did it. He did it right there. And it was really fun to see. I couldn't believe it was the first pitch. And it didn't. I was like, because I was um, I was just shocked because it didn't look like, you know, a whole run. Initially, it didn't look like it, like, totally in the first place. But it reminds me, like, hey, this guy is still great. And while he has started off, you know, not great uh, in terms of his total offense. It is true that some of the things have been showing. He's been hitting balls hard, and he's been getting a little bit unlucky with the BABIP, so it's not like there's been no signs. It's like he's just been struggling, but it's not like there's been evidence that suggests that, oh, this is bad, and that he's, like, falling off. Like, I remember, just like a, as a comparison, I remember Troy Tulowitzki, when he fell off when he was traded to the Blue Jays that one year. I don't know why I'm using him as an example, but whatever. I guess he was on the Rockies, so it kind of makes sense. Um, he was like, there were numbers to suggest his slow start. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't hitting the ball that hard. He, the BABIP was not super low. Like, it wasn't really on him. So, you know what I mean? So, it was like, it, it's good to see that at least Machado's struggles. There are just, there's kind of some empirical statistical evidence to suggest that he was going to get better. And, hey, this is the big one. Basically, it was the big hit of the game and kind of won it for us. And uh, Brady Lim on Twitter, who writes for Fire Faithful Conical, pointed out that Manny Machado has 10 grand slams in his career, and there are only three players in MLB history with 20. Machado is also still just 27 years old, so maybe he breaks that record. Maybe he catches up to that kind of a uh, that kind of illustrious uh, standing, I guess, as the other guys, right? I'm not sure who the other guys were, but shout out to Brady Lim there. Been knowing, noticing him a lot on the Padres Twitter. Great follow. I recommend everyone checking him out. And really, that's the biggest thing of the game. I could end the podcast here almost, but I'm not going to. But, you know, then there's the solo shot from Profar to right field later on. And that's kind of, that's when you know. When Profar is getting a home run, that's when you, you kind of know. I mean, look, I really do like watching Profar play. He is exciting. He is really fun at the plate, but uh, he just hasn't been and been great. And the solo shot did make up for, which I didn't mention. He made a terrible kind of, not actually an error, but a better left fielder could have made it 
play kind of error um, in the inning when Justin Turner get, gets the uh, the double, which you know added him to that was his one thousandth career hit. So shout out to him. But it was odd that it goes from Turner reaching a thousand career hits off of a Profar mistake, and then Profar reaches base on a Turner mistake that error uh, throwing to first base by him uh, the very next inning. That's just an odd little thing I noticed. And that's really it, like I said, in terms of total offense for the game. There is a single from Tatis and then a steal by him. He really just totally stole the base, like completely got it. Uh, but then he ends up getting picked off by a great play by Kiki Hernandez. I have to admit, like him, Tatis was trying to slide his leg around, it looked like, and it was just a great tag. He stopped him from ever even reaching the base, you know what I mean? At first, when they showed one of the replays, it actually looked like, oh, wow, yeah, Tatis is safe. But then you looked at it and he never even touched the bag. You know, uh, Kike just prevented him from doing that with his foot. So great play by him. And it sucks because it was unfortunate because Machado actually singles right after that, which could have led to another run. Thankfully, it didn't matter, though, because the pitching overall from the Padres was pretty good. Let's start talk about Richards. He looks solid yet again, never really giving up the crazy hits. I mentioned how his 4.6 ERA to start the season I didn't think was super indicative of how well he was pitching, especially since some of those runs weren't actually given up by him and it was the bullpen that gave them up. Um, I think I was in the Colorado start that he had. So, uh, you know, nothing uh, from that perspective to, I think, freak out about. And, you know, last night he was solid. I don't think he was incredible, but the Dodgers were su- like super struggling to hit that slider. His slider looked awesome. He was throwing it a lot. And here's, here's the thing. Over the years, Richards has had numbers that suggest that he's one of those guys that can really make people swing and miss. So it's really great to see that he's kind of been this guy that probably took a chance on. And while he didn't really pitch a lot last year towards the end of the season, that guy is your third starter, man. I'm telling you, it's pretty great, especially since Paddock and Lamette are expected to be the aces, especially with how uh, great Lamette's been starting. So uh, great to see his ace on the whole pitch with that slider looking good. Final line, like I said, not overly impressive. He was solid, not overly impressive. Goes six innings, though, which was the largest season for him. Gives up six hits, but only one run, and then uh, allows two walks and then gets three Ks. Like I said, is an insane, but still solid. And I also do want to acknowledge, though, I do want to acknowledge that the Dodgers' offense is clearly struggling and will improve, and it's great to see that we're taking advantage of the fact that they are um, in a slump right now. You know what I mean? You need to take advantage of that, and I do acknowledge the Dodgers, just everyone except for Mookie and maybe Chris Taylor have been uh, really slumping right now, so I got to acknowledge that, and I got to acknowledge maybe it was, one, Richards looking good, but also just the offense of the Dodgers not looking great, and speaking of of things that should be acknowledged, guys. I want to talk to you about CBDMD. That's right, second day in a row with a pretty decent uh, transition. You could be Fernando Tatis, you could be May Machado hitting grand salamis like it's your job, but everyone needs help to make it throughout the day. Whether you're Machado or a schmuck like me doing this podcast, you need help, right? So luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo of topicals that help can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. They've got CBD Freeze with Menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And they've got CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. So, to make things even easier, that's right, even easier 
easier. Uh, CBD is offering CBDMD is offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. That's right. You say this ad enough times and hey, you, you get a little tongue twisted, I guess, right? So once again, that is CBDMD.com. Promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Go check that out, guys. And now, vroom, vroom, vroom. That's right. We're not done. We're talking about the old G homies that I've been talking about for months. That's rockauto.com. Look, I'm not a car guy. I am not. I really don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But you know what? I have a feeling that rockauto.com, they really do know what they're talking about. Because most importantly, they are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go there to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. Delivered directly to your door, by the way, which is great considering the times we're in. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. That's right, always reliably low. Just go check it out, man. And same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I didn't even know before I started hearing about rockauto.com because I know nothing about cars that the prices can vary. Well, they don't here. Why in the world would you pay twice as much for the same parts? It doesn't make any sense, my Friar Faithful homies. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now, guys, since that's really all I have to say with the core of what kind of transpired in last night's game, now for a little a kind of grab bag of other observations, right? And I kind of alluded to it with the with the Cronenworth error. That wasn't the only error made in the game. Obviously, the Dodgers ones is what everyone's going to be talking about. But there was a pass ball that got by Hedges in that same inning that the Cronenworth one happened, right? And I know he's been good this series. I mean, by good, I mean he basically made the difference with the random, out-of-nowhere kind of home run in the first game that ended up giving us the lead off of Dustin May. But I don't think that Hedges has been that elite defensively compared to Mejia. I just don't think that it's been that big of a discrepancy. I could be wrong. And don't get me wrong, I do think Hedges is better defensively. But I don't think we've been giving Mejia, you know, enough credit for, like, the great Denelson Lamette starts. And it's not like he's been letting balls get behind him too much comparatively to Hedges, right? It's not like he's made that many errors. So I just, that's my thing. I don't think Hedges has been that elite that Mejia doesn't deserve more chances. Although I also do admit Mejia has been struggling at the plate just as much as Hedges. And, you know, he's got to start showing more if he wants more chances. But I'm just saying, my personal opinion, I do think they should be starting Mejia more. Another point I want to bring up is, I imagine being a Dodgers fan right now and seeing all this transpire um, wouldn't regularly be of concern. But I want to be mean for a second and say, hey, it is a shortened season, so maybe it does. They've had slow starts before. Obviously, 2019, they were great. And 2017 with the 104-win season. But in 2018, despite the roster being so good, they did start off 16-26. and I don't know if you guys can count. I certainly can't, but still, in a shortened season, that could be like a big, big deal. And maybe they can't recover from that the same thing, right? So it's really it's really bunched up at the NLS right now. But I'm just saying, you know, the Dodgers, I don't think they should be concerned right now. I think their offense hasn't been great. I think that, you know, Kershaw's injured and, and, and some of those things. So I really don't think they have to be concerned. But for the Padres fans, I want to throw that thing out there. They did start off 16-26 in 2018. So it's not inconceivable that they can kind of compete with them at a high level and in terms of that record for a shortened season. Another thing I want to throw out there. 
Tim Hill, some funny things I want to throw out there. Tim Hill, I, weird Padres reliever. I, he hasn't been great this season. I did like that he had to. He was able to go out there for just two outs and not, you know, give up any, you know, crucial blows uh, and getting a strikeout to kind of try and maybe get his confidence back, which is what I agree with with what, what the announcers were saying since it wasn't a high leverage situation. Um, one of my observations, he kind of looks like Cam Gigandit. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Uh, he's this dude from two of my beloved, beloved, beloved movies. I love these movies so much. That's Easy A and Never Back Down. <laughs> Easy A is 100% serious. I love that movie. I think it's great. He's like the weird, like, gospel group guy. And he's, you know, has is involved in a... Spoiler! Spoiler alert for Easy A if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, he's involved in this kind of like weird affair with Lisa Kudrow's character, and he's in that movie, and also he's in Never Back Down as the most, you know, jerk, <laughs> biggest jerk villain of all time, but he's so likable. That movie's so ridiculous. It's basically like a modernized version of Karate Kid, except that it's UFC and it feels like it was made by someone who's 75 years old and thinks that this is what kids view as the hip thing, you know what I mean? Beat each other up and all this music playing, right? Completely ridiculous movie. It's a good bad though. I love it. Um, so just that little example. I wonder if you guys disagree with me or not. Tim Hill, go look up his face and let me know if you feel the same. There's another funny moment involving Manny Machado swatting at a fly maybe it was like he waited for the pitch to get there and then he just swung the bat like it was weird i was like what is he swinging at i need a full fbi investigation to whatever that was i don't know what that was i assume it was some kind of fly or whatever it was uh i think it was in his first at bat when he hit into that double play i think uh he did like call time at one point because he's i think he had something in his eye so maybe something was just in his eye that night maybe the dodgers are doing some some mischievous things i don't know maybe they're doing some chicanery there behind the scenes i don't know maybe they're they're doing what happened with the with CC Sabathia, and or no, not not CC Sabathia with with Jabba Chamberlain back in the day with those Canadian fire ants. Maybe they're uh, training bugs to attack us, guys. Screw the Dodgers, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. Um, and another couple uh, things I want to point out was I was worried for a second when they brought in Pomeranz only because I don't want them to be using him up. But thankfully, our, like one of the low key little subplots that I loved is it only took him on pitch. I was worried, you know, what if he gives up a hit and then he's got a little bit longer and I just don't want to be using that guy up too much. And it's interesting that they use him once again, and they have been using Yates. I don't know what the full story is there, but I imagine it's just because he's stiff, so we'll see how that plays out. But bottom line, Pomerantz yet to give up a run. Knock on wood there. <laughs> he has to give up a run this season. has been so, so, so good, so worth the money and whatnot, and he's been so great in his bullpen role. And the last little observation I had was this. The Padres traded for Yonder Alonso. This is an ob- observation as, uh, from last night's game, as much as just news. And he's also Mayhem Child's brother-in-law. Don't really think that that's a big kind of deal. Don't think that that's going to impact the roster in any way. Maybe he can make the team as kind of some bench depth and maybe be uh, in competition with guys like Ty France, but for the most part, don't really see anything happening there um so whatever but it's it's worth mentioning if you guys have a take on that and then lastly perhaps my most important thing of all i want to talk about chris taylor okay so yesterday he had a slide at home that first of all just want to throw it out there i did make fun of profar for you know messing up with that play on um justin turner probably could have caught the ball it literally bounced off his glove but it was a nice throw from Profar in the first place, and then an excellent relay throw from Tatis to nail Chris Taylor at the plate. And then there was a little scuffle afterwards. Not like a scuffle, like nobody was really making contact, but there were words exchanged. And here's the thing. 
I think it was a tad dirty. I, I do, because when you look at the replay, it does kind of look like he moved his elbow kind of a little bit to, to hit him. And look, the Dodgers fans, they're going to start freaking out and be like, well, the, the, the Padres fans are perfectly okay with when Tatis completely trucked them. And it's like, well, the guy was also in the middle of the baseline, so there's that. And I, I just, the way I viewed it, man, I just, I've done that before when I'm running fast and I kind of go, Ooh, like, I kind of like don't fully go into it, but then I've clearly, I clearly pulled up. I didn't throw my body in like a tackling kind of form and just completely decked the guy. Like I clearly tried to pull up a little bit. That's how I felt in the Tatis thing. And it was within the lines of rules. So I feel like they're going to complain about that, right? Because Dodgers fans are going to complain about that. I get it. But I did think this was a little bit tad dirty. And I also acknowledge, though, I do think it was a little bit of a ridiculous play. I don't want to read too much into this stuff. I did like seeing that, you know, Hosmer was sticking behind um, hedges. Like, the whole team was, like, completely got each other's backs. That's cool. That's always nice to see. Uh, it can only ever be negative signs when you don't see anybody sticking up for each other on a team. But still, I think there's there has been some suspicious stuff over their season series together, some of the other things having to do with Muncie kind of stepping oddly on first base in that first time they played in each other uh, with the Cronenworth one, right? And, you know, like, the, the way he, he... Like, why was he not, you know, trying to jump on the, the base... Uh, on the inside of the first base, right? Instead of trying to land on the first base and the inside of the way the infield where his... Where Cronenworth's foot is. You guys get what I'm saying, okay? I'm slurring my words a little bit, but that's that was a little bit odd. You know what I mean? So, I, look, here's my thing. I don't think I don't want to start assuming judgment and stuff. I do think there's a little bit of tension between the two themes, but I do hope that overall it's just good rivalry. And I don't think there's been there's just no Astros Loriano type thing. This is no Astros Dodgers type thing with Joe Kelly, right? I don't think it's that serious. Hopefully nothing sparks up because I don't want fights. It's also dangerous right now considering the epidemic and all that stuff that's going on um, right now with the pandemic. So don't want that uh, really clouding how really great that the Padres season has been. And I will also say. Let, I'm going to be honest, I got to give Chris Taylor credit because he's been awesome for the Dodgers against the Padres this series, season. Um, I don't know about the rest of the season for him, but every time he's at bat, the guy just concerns me. With the exception of Mookie, obviously, because Mookie will never not concern me as someone who watches the Yankees um, for years. Uh, more than anyone, basically, Bellinger, I just think, looks lost right now. Same thing with Muncie, too, actually, at the plate. So I'm not as concerned with him. I will be when he starts showing that he's back to his regular self, but clearly he's not his regular self right now, so he hasn't uh, scared me as much. And he even made that uh, great around-the-horn double play last night, kind of robbing a hit, and he, he just has looked great for them. Maybe, hey, if he could go more offensively, uh, maybe I haven't been giving him credit for his defensive uh, capabilities in the infield and even the outfield, apparently, with that the way he nailed Grisham at the early you know, stages with that first game of the series against them a couple of weeks ago. Um, or was that last week? Yeah, that was last week. Wow, time is freaking flying. Anyway, uh, maybe if he could go like in 2017 when he batted 288 with a 354 on base, 21 homers, 17 steals, that 850 OPS. If he could do that offensively for them, it is yet another example of that incredible depth that the Dodgers have. Holy guacamole! It is annoying how many solid players they have on that team. So yeah, just th those are my thoughts on that. I don't want to read too much into it, but I don't want kind of either fan base freaking out too much and calling the other team totally dirty and the Dodgers fans acting like Tatis, you know, did that play that happened with Buster Posey, you know, when he, you know, was out for the season that one year. You know what I mean? Like, let's not act like this is total, like, Tatis was in the line. You know what I mean? Like, Tatis actually, like, it was a, you could do what he did, kind of. So I don't really want to uh, hear too much from the Dodgers fans, but again, no 
too much ill will from me. Just good old-fashioned rivalry, I'd say. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for my thoughts and for today's edition of the Locked on Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And also, if you'd like, it would make me happy. Go send some nice reviews of the show on iTunes. Got Zach Davies going up against Tony Gonsolin apparently tonight so you know Davies looked good so hopefully tomorrow when we get another podcast I will be in another good mood as we hopefully take the series against the Dodgers but until that next time stay safe and of course stay faithful my fire faithful homies take care